Happy New Year's, guys. Welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm Gregory Robinson. And we're here with Alex Poznov and Daryl... Pieber. Thank you. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Good. I'm doing great. Awesome. So today's episode is kind of a unique episode. Normally we just have a guest, one guest, and we ask them about their research. But today we're going to be talking about um, advice coming from going from undergrad to graduate programs, particularly in the arts and humanities, uh, and in particular the media studies. So Daryl, could you tell us a little bit about what the difference is between MIT and media? Because I know, or media studies, because I know I always get those mixed up. Right. So um, MIT which is, stands for Media Information and Technoculture, is the undergraduate program at the Faculty of Information and Media Studies. Um, once you get into the graduate level programs, um, the MIT program translates into uh, a master's or PhD program in media studies. Um, so that's the, that's the main difference, is just um, the names of the undergrad and graduate programs. Cool. And Alex, you were in MIT, correct? Correct. What year are you in? I'm in second year. Nice. And so how today's episode is going to go is, Alex, you're going to ask Daryl any questions you or any of your other undergraduate friends have about coming into grad school. And Daryl's going to do his best to answer them. So All right. Shoot. Sounds good. So off the bat, um, I'm just wondering, what are some of the first steps into looking into even attempting to apply for a master's like is the first thing you have to do look for a supervisor or uh no yeah the first thing i would say that you'd want to do is to familiarize yourself with the program itself right so i would say go to the website and read the description there um how it's structured what what are the expectations uh in terms of both getting into the program and also progressing through the program um and uh, sort of figuring out uh, on a first level if that's what, if it resonates with you, if that's what you want to do. Um, There are a number of um, graduate programs in media studies uh, across the country, Um, and I'm going to the one at Western, so I'm not going to try to sell you on any other program. (laughs) Um, Good. (laughs) But uh, it's worthwhile to check out the different ones because each university approaches it slightly differently. Um, so the next step then uh, is once you know that, or once you have a feeling that Western might be the right place for you, uh, is to um, start to talk to profs in the faculty uh, about what the graduate program is like. So all of the tenured faculty are involved in one way or another in the graduate program, whether that's teaching courses or supervising students. So they can give you an idea of what the program is like, what kinds of courses there are, um, what their expectations might be. They can also point you in the direction of other graduate students who are in the program right now. And it's really a good idea to sit down with one or two of them to talk about their experiences, especially um, in the master's. If you're going into the master's program, it's particularly worthwhile to speak to students who are in the master's program right now so that you get a sense of their experience in the program and what it's like and how it differs from what they thought it was going to be like. I mean, obviously it's easy if you're at that university, but if you're coming from a different university, what kind of stuff can you do to reach out to other grad students? Right. So um, the best thing to do um, is to get in touch with a graduate student office in 
uh, at FIMS um, and ask them if they can put you in touch with a graduate student in the program. And we have had that happen before, um, particularly at the PhD level, but also occasionally at the master's level. We've had people ask um, if they could speak with uh, current graduate students. And of course, we're happy to speak mm -hmm. with prospective students. So um, that would be the best way to approach that, is to ask um, whoever your contact is in the um, graduate office in the faculty. Also, so like you said, you did your master's at Western, correct? Yes. So do you recommend applying for a master's at the same school that you did your bachelor's at? Obviously, it's going to be a little bit biased because you did <laughs> so, but... <laughs> From yeah. your experience, I would say I would say so. Um, so the way it generally works is, um, if you're planning to do all three degrees, if you're planning to do an undergraduate degree, um, a master's degree, and a PhD, you should not do them do all three at the same university. Um, but if you are looking to do just your BA and your master's degree, or even if you're looking to do all three, it's fine to do two of them at the same institution. And it can be really worthwhile to do your master's degree at the same institution because you're already familiar with it. You're familiar with the profs. You're familiar with the approach to media studies that the faculty takes. Um, so it's the transition will be much easier. Um, you're also obviously familiar with London. Um, so that's one less concern, uh, you know, finding a place to live, figuring out how the city works and so on and so forth. You've already got all of that under your belt so that you don't, when you come to start your master's degree, you don't have to, in addition to trying, trying to figure out how to do a master's degree, you don't have to worry about figuring out how to live in the city that you're in. So yeah, I actually heard that. I heard that when you're applying for a job, if they see that you did your undergrad, master's and PhD at the same university, they get a little suspicious about that. Is that the reason or is there well, something else? Um, I would say that the Certainly from an academic perspective, my understanding is that the reason um, is that they want to see that you have a, more of a variety of experience if you're considering becoming a prof. I think if you're not considering an academic career, if you're, for example, considering going out into the business world, um, I, I would be surprised if it was as much of an issue. Mm -hmm. um, in that instance, I think it's more of an academic thing. And, and full disclosure, I'm doing all three of my degrees at Western. So <laughs> I'm breaking the rule there. Uh, and a friend of mine did the same thing and is now a tenured prof at a university in Canada. So it is possible. Mm -hmm. um, it is just advisable, um, if you can do it, uh, to try to find um, some sort of academic experience and another institution. You can, there is also. After you do your PhD, there is a thing called post-doctoral uh, work. Mm -hmm. And you can do that at another institution. For, for me, for example, yeah. um, if I don't have that other institutional experience, that is one approach that I can take, is to look for a postdoctoral position at another institution. So funding-wise, did you stay at the same institution because of like the money or for like what reasons? Um, so I stayed at Western uh, predominantly to work with the supervisor that I have, um, which is a major consideration, particularly if you're looking to do um, doctoral work. Um, I would say that the supervisor is one of the most important um, considerations. Uh, so that is the main reason why 
I stayed here uh, was to continue. So my supervisor now is the same supervisor I had for my master's degree. Um, and the relationship is uh, works really well. Uh, and um, she's an expert in her field. And, um, and then, I give her a shout out? <laughs> <laughs> so her name is uh, Dr. Annabelle Guanhaza. Uh, and she's cross-appointed with uh, sociology as well, which is another um, benefit for me. Hmm. Um, so, and there are a number of really good um, uh, tenured profs in uh, the faculty and sort of internationally known as well. I won't name them because I don't want to leave any out and I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of really good profs and a lot of really interesting research being done. Um, so it is possible to find um, someone in a wide range. Media studies is a very broad um, program in a way or discipline. Um, so there's a wide range of ways in which you can approach media and study it, um, both at Western and at other institutions. And so uh, if you are, particularly if you are considering going on to do a PhD, I would say one of the most important things is to look for a supervisor uh, who's doing work that you think you want to participate in. So, so oh, sorry. So you did your master's and then your PhD. Yes. Now, a lot of people, when they do that in the same um, the same supervisor, generally they just roll over their master's into a PhD, at least in the sciences. And so I'm just curious, is there a reason why you chose to stop and finish your master's and then do a PhD? Is that a requirement in media studies or did you want to change subjects or something? No, it's uh, it's a really good question because that, that did actually come up during my master's um, was the suggestion that I just, since I knew I was going into my PhD and actually my master's research um, laid the foundation for my PhD research as well. So there was the, a discussion that we had in terms of should I just jump right on into the PhD? And you can do that at Western in FIMS anyways. Um, there is one student who's doing it right now. There's a master's student who's doing it right now. Um, I decided to finish my master's degree um, so that I would have a master's degree, <laughs> quite honestly, you know, because you can't know for sure that you're going to finish your PhD, yeah. right? And if you just don't finish your master's and jump right into your PhD and then you don't finish your PhD, you not only don't have a PhD, you also don't have a master's. Yeah, <laughs> I hear a lot so. of people, at least in the sciences and like biological sciences, that's the exact same reason. So it's, it's interesting to see that no matter what field it is, it's pretty similar and that pretty much everybody that does their master's, as long as you're allowed to go defend for your master's, usually you pass. Whereas PhD, it's not always the case. In fact, no. And I mean, one important more. thing, um, so uh, the Master's in Media Studies program uh, is changing this year. When I took it, it was a two-year thesis-based program. Um, and so you had to write a thesis of about 100 pages, and then you had to defend it. Um, and a really important thing to know in that process, at least at Western, is they don't actually schedule your defense unless they know you're going to pass, hmm. right? So um, so your committee has to read your paper, right? Okay, yeah. And two of the three of them have to be willing to pass it before they'll schedule the defense. Now, you can force it. You can force it and say, no, I insist on doing my defense, and they'll schedule it, and then, you know. <laughs> but if they're not willing to pass your paper, 
the odds that your your um, sort of verbal defense is so spectacular that you convince them to pass you anyways. <laughs> I think that's probably pretty rare. And I would say that's true as well um, at the doctoral level. You know, your su and certainly your supervisor is not going to let you go to defense um, if they don't feel you're ready because it reflects badly on them as well. Yeah. That's interesting to know that because I don't think in biological sciences you don't ever yeah. hear about that, that they, like, too must. Whereas it's maybe, like, unofficially they'll be like, okay, like, we'll let this guy or girl go through. But you never really hear that they must. Yeah, yeah. I actually only found that out in passing. Okay. Right? When um, I was sitting down with my supervisor preparing for my master's defense um, and sort of expressing my nervousness about the whole process. So this is a hot um, tidbit for you guys out there that yeah. you're not going to hear <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's I think it's really important because it takes a little bit of the pressure off because a defense yeah. is really nerve-wracking. You know, you have three um, tenured professors who are experts in their field asking you questions about your paper that they have actually read, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and already have comments on and already have, you know, um, uh, if you get revisions, then they, they have things that they want you to change already, right? So they, they've thought that deeply about it. Mm -hmm. And that's on top of doing the 50-minute presentation. <laughs> yes, right? for the PhD. For the master's, you don't luckily have to do that. It's usually less. You it's don't have to do a public lecture at all for a master's. Oh, it's different in the sciences. But you're sciences. still defending it. You still have to defend it, yeah, it's but it's closed defense. Lecture. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so at the PhD, you have to do both a public lecture um, and a, a closed defense with a committee of five, I believe. Okay. So what are the coping methods that you use to deal with that anxiety? <laughs> what a good question. Um, so I would like, like I said, one of the biggest things for me Two, two really important things for me is that I know my supervisor would not have let it go to defense um, if she didn't feel it was ready, if she wouldn't have passed it. And I also know that my supervisor is very demanding, right? So I had that. <laughs> um, and then she also said, you know, uh, if, it's, if the date is actually scheduled and the room is actually booked, um, that means that at least two of the three members of the committee are willing to pass your, your paper. So just don't screw up your defense and you'll go through one way or another. Um, other coping mechanisms um, involve standard stress-based co coping me yeah. mechanisms, right? Like having, having supportive friends, yeah. um, particularly in the program, like in our program at least, it's very collegial. Um, there is no competition in a sense. You're not competing with the other grad students. Um, there's no bell curve. Um, there's no uh, competition for marks that kind of thing you are your entire um, trajectory is your own um, with and so it is really much more of a collegial process when you're taking courses um, y you're not trying to outdo one another you're trying to actually learn together so you do or can develop this sense of camaraderie mm -hmm. with your fellow students who are all going through the same thing um, and so that in itself um, can help you. You'll find that, you know, the friends that you make in your grad program will be there on the day of your defense yeah. and, you know, um, might be waiting outside the room for you and will mm. almost certainly be going to the grad club afterwards with you to celebrate when you pass. <laughs> I actually have a question for Alex. Is that how you feel that um, even undergrad MIT is like or do you find that it's pretty competitive? 
Um, I still find that it's pretty competitive just because just in this day and age, just people are always going for the high grades, just pushing everything down that's in their way. So it's just the way it is in university. No matter where you are, no matter where you're going to be, it's going to be competitive. But it's just how it is. So you must be excited for less, like, less competitiveness in masters. Uh, yes, very. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you find the change, like workload change coming from an undergrad to masters? Uh, it's significant. Um, and that is one thing that you do need to prepare yourself for it. So even though you're taking fewer courses for the new program for media studies, um, I believe you take three courses in the fall term and three courses in the winter term. Um, and even two, I would say even two graduate level courses um, are considerably more work than a full undergraduate course load, even at the fourth year. It is a massive amount of reading, and you are, the classes are much smaller, and so you will be expected to speak and to contribute. Um, there's no, you can't not do your readings, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do your readings. You have to keep up, and they are hard. Some of them are really hard. Um, some of the theorists that you're going to have to learn. Theorists like Foucault. Um, McLuhan. McLuhan. But you're there together to learn about it. So, um, you know, and you're, I guess the other thing is that your fellow students will expect you much more to show up. It's and to definitely a lot more engagement, especially like being in second year now, the readings are very complicated compared to my other classes. Just so much theory and how it's written. I definitely agree that it's something that you need to break apart, analyze by yourself, and then come together and discuss what everybody got from it. Yep. So I d definitely see that already in second year. So I'll let you in on a little secret about second year. Um, and I would say that I, this was my experience. My undergraduate was yeah, actually in politics, but my experience um, is quite similar to the experience you're having right now in second year. Second year is, um, you're probably finding, is insanely harder than first year. Like Definitely. orders of magnitude harder. Yes, right? yes. The good news is that third year isn't. Oh. Second year is the, it's, it's almost like it's the first real year of university. And once you figure out how to do second year, third year and fourth year are just more of the same, right? So um, it doesn't get orders of magnitude harder to do third year or fourth year. It's the same. And I think it's That's like good. that in all programs, yeah. it's good like to science know. too. Yeah, so that stress that, that you and all of your second year cohort are experiencing right now, <laughs> that's something that we've all experienced. That's something we all had to sort of get through. Um, and once you do get through it and to the other side, third year is going to be so much more manageable. That's amazing to hear because <laughs> it's been some dark times. <laughs> All right, guys. So we only have five minutes left. So come up with your most important question that you have, okay. I guess. I've been saving this one. Okay. <laughs> How could they let somebody like Nicole <laughs> into a master's program? <laughs> oh well, that's the sciences, right? So I can't really I know, speak right? to that. They have a whole other... System of logic. There. <laughs> For those that aren't aware, we have two sisters here. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Love you. 
Um, one thing I sort of forgot to mention is actually in, in our faculty there are four master's programs, um, which is worth noting because there are different ways of studying media in that sense. So uh, media studies is the one I've been talking about. It's the one that I'm in. Um, and so media studies and popular culture and music and um, health information science is the third academic degree, sort of, you know, um, thesis-based, research-based degree. Um, and then actually there's five master's degrees now that wow. I think of it. Because there's also a master's degree in, uh, in library and information sciences, which is the degree that you have to take if you want to become a librarian at a university or at a, you know, a public library. Well, that one's a course-based one, isn't that it? That is fully course-based, yeah. and it's also an internship-based um, I have random facts in there in my, in my head. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, you, you, you may know one or two um, people doing their PhDs in library and information science. Yemen, for example. I met a few. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then the, the fourth one is called uh, MMJC, and I wish I knew exactly what that stood for. Um, but it's basically, um, again, it's a professional g degree like the library and information science degree, and it's for people who want to become journalists or communication specialists. So, you know, if you want to get into public relations, that kind of thing, that's, it's another professional degree, it's another course-based degree. I've got a pretty important question. Mm -hmm. um, in my program, we have one of the highest amount of money that you get paid for a PhD student. Must be nice. Wow. Yeah. So well, I'm not a PhD, yeah. though. <laughs> so how do I get into that program? <laughs> Can I switch? Probably not. Not at this <laughs> point. But um, we, we make about 30000 a year in, in a PhD. Okay. As a master's student, I make way less. Mm -hmm. But in terms of in biological sciences, you have somebody that is you're doing research for them and they're paying you. Right. So how much exactly would you guys make in media studies or in any of these other departments, and how exactly does that work? Okay, so in um, at the master's level, and again, this is going to be um, uh, media studies, so it'll be the research-based ones, media studies, health and information mm -hmm. science, and uh, popular music and culture. So the course-based ones you pay for, and then yeah. these are the things. But you get, like, in the... In the um, Library Information Science Program, you have internships which are usually paid. You get paid for that. Um, I'm not really sure how the MMJC program works. Um, Google it for yes, everybody else. exactly. You can go to the FIMS website, and they're all there, and they'll give you plenty of information. But um, So the funding at the master's level uh, is um, not guaranteed, whereas at the doctoral level it is guaranteed. Um, so at the doctoral level, you're guaranteed a minimum of $20,000 a year in funding of which your tuition comes out. Um, the bulk of your funding uh, comes from um, being a TA, uh, which is in the neighborhood of twelve dollars to $13,000 a year. So you guys work 140 hours a semester, I think? That's right. Yeah. 10, okay. hours, 10 hours a week, roughly. More when you have to mark, less when you don't. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it works out to about 140 hours per term for fall and winter. Um, and then there can be uh, what's called uh, WGRS, the Western Research, Western Graduate Research Scholarship. Um, I don't know how much it is at the master's level at the moment, um, but at the PhD level, that's what that's the the difference between the twelve or thirteen thousand dollars you get as a TA and the twenty thousand that you're guaranteed, which goes towards your tuition. So if you want money, 
you can, if you want to do media studies and you want money, it's doable. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're just going to be doing more years of undergrad yeah. so, any, and, or something like that. And one of the things I uh, really want to stress is there are, there are also um, external scholarships. And um, oftentimes, particularly at the master's level, um, people kind of don't start thinking about their master's degree soon enough. Um, so you want to actually start thinking about it in third year so that you know the information as you're going into fourth year about what you need to apply for, how you need to apply, um, because you are eligible to apply um, as a Canadian citizen or permanent resident, you are eligible to apply for an Ontario Graduate Scholarship, which is $15,000 for a year. Um, you're also eligible to apply for um, a master's scholarship from the Social Science and Humanities Research Council, one of the tri-councils for graduate students who are familiar with the nightmare that is applying for tri-council scholarships. Um, that can be, I want to say, $20,000 a year. Um, so those are not inconsequential. And certainly if you're planning to go on to your PhD, I would really strongly recommend applying for both of those. Um, going into your master's degree because um, that helps your application for your doctoral work. It also helps for any future application for um, funding. And even just writing that application usually is quite beneficial. You don't even have to get it. Just writing it, you're going to know your research better. That's right. Um, you're going to be coming into the program a lot stronger than if you didn't write it. And you're going to get a lot of those references that you wouldn't have put together otherwise, right? That's right. So you, you do need references for... So that's an important thing to know that maybe people don't know going into uh, thinking of graduate school is that you need, um, for media studies, you need two academic references, which means tenured profs, generally speaking, um, who are willing to write you um, a letter saying that you are, are worthwhile getting into the program. You need two of those. Um, you also need two um, references, and you can use the same ones for if they're willing um, for your external scholarship applications. Um, so those are things that you want to get working on actually, uh, definitely in third year, because you need to get letters from people who actually know who you are and know what your, your academic work is like, right? Because otherwise they can't write you a useful letter. So you want to make sure that you have at least two profs in your program who you have gotten to know and who are able to write you really compelling letters. and. Um, don't be afraid to ask them if they are willing to write you good academic letters uh, because you will never see them and so it's entirely possible that they'll write you a bad one. Yeah, I was talking about citations, but that's even more important. Actual <laughs> references. Yes. Uh, but having just like all your papers and knowing where they are and where you can find them is also useful, but yeah. definitely getting your references is extremely much, much more important to get into grad school. Yes. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think we're running out of time here. Uh, this has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Nicole Poznov, and my co-host was... Gregory Robinson. And we're speaking with Alex and Daryl today on the episode of Grad Advice for undergrad students coming into arts and humanities. Uh, if you would like to be involved in the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gratcast Radio. To listen to us, we're on CHRW 94.9 every Tuesday at 6 p.m. and every other Thursday at 1.30 p.m. 
You can also find us all our episodes on websites at gradcast.ca or on pod- podcasts apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you very much for listening to, to us today and have a great night. Thank you, Alex and Daryl, for coming on. Thank you for having us, guys. Thank you. Thank you.